Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 221. Hey, my riches, this is Hayut, and I hope all of you are well and ready for the new week. In today's podcast episode, I share some of the most inspiring and educational stories of successful entrepreneurs who won their success by serving their customers best. The first story is about Jeremy Parker from Swag.com who told me, I'm never satisfied in terms of customer success. We should go above and beyond to make our customers' experience great. Jeremy Parker is an award-winning documentary filmmaker and serial entrepreneur. He is the co-founder and CEO of Swag.com, the best place for companies to buy quality promotional products that you will actually want to keep. Swag.com works with more than 5,000 companies, including Facebook, Google, Amazon, Netflix, Spotify, and TikTok. They are the number 218 on the 2020 Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the U.S. And Jeremy was also named by Cranes New York as one of the 40 under 40. Jeremy Parker, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. How's it going? Thanks so much for having me. It's going fantastic and I'm very happy you are here with me today. Jeremy, how did it all start? How did your entrepreneurial journey start and how did Swag start? Sure. So my entrepreneurial journey started, I was actually a filmmaker. It doesn't really sound an entrepreneur, but filmmaker, I learned it's a lot of stuff that goes into making movies. When I was a, uh, I went to college for film production. I went to Boston University and I made a feature length documentary with my brother that ended up winning the audience award at the 2006 Vail Film Festival which is a okay. wow. film festival. And after I won this award, it was a very kind of interesting moment I had. I went to this, like the tent where all the filmmakers were there. And in the, in the tent, it was like one side of the room was like these major celebrities that I'm sure you've heard of. And then the other side of the tent was people who are, you know, struggling filmmakers. And I had to kind of look at myself and, and think about, am I this good? Because there's kind of, there's such a, a wide divergence of possibilities when you're a filmmaker. You know, you either really, really make it or you really don't. And I figured that I was thinking of, do I really want to be a filmmaker for life? Is it my passion? And it was never really my passion. It was just something I found to be interesting and fun. Um, And I ultimately decided, well, let me see what I'm good at in terms of a business. So after college, right after I graduated college, I started my first business. I had no business experience, no business knowledge. I didn't even know what I was good at or what I liked or what I enjoyed. And I thought, what would be a better business to start than just a t-shirt company? You know, because when you start a t-shirt company, it sounds like something simple, but you're learning how to manufacture and you're learning how to build a website and you're learning how to do marketing and PR and customer service and all these different aspects of business from something very simple. And I started a t-shirt company and I learned kind of what I liked and what I enjoyed about it. And it set me on this path 
of really trying to constantly try to refine my skill set and get better and better at what I'm good at. And ultimately, what I became good at was user experience design and branding. That's what I really started to feel in love with. Um, so all the businesses from that point on to where I am now have all been really focused on building a really strong brand, building a really great experience, and giving customers the best experience possible. Hmm. And how did Swag start? Yeah, we started Swag in 2016 in January. So approaching five years now. My background yeah. also after that first T-shirt company, I I ended up working for this bigger company called MV Sport. Um, MV Sport is one of the largest players in the promotional product space. So I was introduced to the promotional product space when I was 22 years old. I'm 35 years old now, so a while ago, and mm-hmm. I learned about the production, the manufacturing side of the business and But one thing kind of always stuck out at me is that the process was done very manually. When you made sales, it was all about catalogs and presentation decks and phone calls to close sales or back and forth emails. It was a very manual process. And from my experience of shopping, it was always like really focused on online. I didn't really want to speak to people when I purchased. I wanted sure. to line my experience. So over the last 10 years, I kept a really close eye in the promotional product space. And I realized that the industry is getting bigger and bigger, and but the buyer changed. The buyer is now millennial, and the buyer wants to do things right now that di- very differently than the buyers of the past. But the the platforms itself were not built for today's buyers. So that was kind of the aha moment of what if we went out and built the really great experience, a really great platform, only offered curated products, made it really easy for our customers to find what they're looking for, design it, and buy it in a matter of seconds. And really try to go after today's current buyer. So that was kind of the the initial idea for Swag and what our first kind of um, entry point to the business was. And obviously, the business changes and we adapt and we learn from our customers. You know, sure. beginning the first year, we didn't build any platform. It was really just about learning. So our first customers were all kind of like our teachers in many ways. Like we wanted to learn what platform they would want us to build. And as having tons of conversations with them, not only were we able to make sales. But we able to like learn as much as possible, and really that knowledge in the beginning really kind of gave us the kind of shining light of what kind of platform we should be building. Hmm, it's fantastic. You've got successes. We um, heard a bit about that, and we'll hear about that in a minute. But I want to ask you, what is your biggest, most critical failure with customers? The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most, or almost the most? That's a good question. You know, I think I'm never satisfied in terms of customer success. You know, that's kind of the most important thing. And I always tell my customer success team that they have the most important job. They are the face of our business. They're, you know, if, if we get, if we delay a product by accident, you know, something goes wrong with the machinery, something goes wrong with the production. It's, 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 if we give them a great experience, if we are upfront with them, with the customer, if we tell them, if we, you know, don't surprise them with things, if we go above and beyond to make the experience great, they're going to leave, even though we didn't necessarily do our goal of delivering the product on the exact day that they wanted to, they're still going to leave, you know, feeling happy and wanting to work with us again. So customer success to me is everything with the business, you know, even on our website, we say customer obsessed. That's what we like to think of Swagger, mm. customer obsessed. Um, because we wouldn't be where we are without our customers. You know, we're a startup. Most startups cannot just spend tons and tons of money and keep acquiring customers. You need to have your customers not only buy once, but buy many times. That's the only way you're going to have a really scalable business. And also, we need our customers to, frankly, promote this to, to their friends and to other companies. That's the real way we're going to really grow. And we've been very fortunate with that, that we've been able to really scale and build a great customer base. 
but it's all about learning from the customer experience. If we do something wrong, we learn from it. So we don't make the same mistake twice. I want a story. I want a particular story and you don't have to mention names. <laughs> okay. Well, well, there's a one customer early on in swag that I'll tell, I'll tell you a story specifically that we, we had to do. We had a customer who had a big event in New York city. This is very early our early on in the, in the journey of swag.com. It was mid 2016. So really like four months into the business, they mm -hmm. that we were supposed to do like a $5,000 order for them that we need to get delivered to New York city. And the screen yeah. printer in the embroidery facility that we were working with at the time completely failed us. You know, we were very early. We didn't necessarily know who were the right suppliers. And that's a learning experience that we had to go through um, to really figure out who are the right suppliers that we should be working with. And obviously this was not one of the right ones, but mm -hmm. you kind of break some eggs. And this one completely dropped the ball. Their machinery was broken. We showed up at the facility to pick up the stuff because they weren't responding to our emails. And we realized that we were not going to get this done, right? It was not going to happen. We're going to miss this event. It was one of our earliest, best customers. It's a huge event. We didn't want to disappoint the customer. So what did we do? We ultimately had to grab all the products off of the conveyor belt because it was not getting done. The machines were broken. It wasn't the quality that we wanted to set forth. We ended up driving around the neighborhood, looking up other screen printers and embroidery facilities in the local area. Okay. This is literally three hours before the event. Usually these, these such a big order, it takes a lot longer time. You have to be in the pipeline for, you know, weeks. We ended up finding a plot, a company. We ended up renting out their entire facility for the day, literally paid them. We lost money on the deal, hundred percent. We ended up paying them so much money to shut down the facility so that they would focus on ours because we had to make sure the experience for the customer was great. The customers didn't see all this craziness in the back end, but we wanted them to have a great experience. We ended up printing it. We then ended up putting the products in an Uber and sent it for like a two hour drive from where we were to their event and it got to their event on time. So just going wow. crazy above and beyond for the customer. And I think that's really important. And it taught us a couple of things. Obviously it taught us we should never be working with suppliers who can't, who can't do what they say. Um, so our kind of filtering process and our testing process of what suppliers we use was very important. You know, a big part of my experience with giving the customer a great experience is making the right product. A lot of it has to do with product, building the right platform, the right experience for the customers, make having the right suppliers, the right quality, all those different things that over the last four years we really refined. That is a big part of customer service. And then there's all these things that are just completely out of your hands. You know, something could go wrong, a machine could break, and then just taking it and going above and beyond and saying, you know what, this is going to be challenging. This is not ideal, but we have to make sure the customer has the best experience possible. And we're willing to lose money on this deal. We're willing to lose money. We're willing to go above and beyond because at the end of the day, it's all about the customer experience. Well, and that proves it. And now I would like you to tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something that you did right about approaching your customers. Something, well, I think, as I said, this past story about the, the thing that we messed up on is actually the thing that was the best. For example, I had this nurse story, actually, mm -hmm. you think about, um, I was in Chicago with my co-founder. We were part of this, uh, tech program called tech stars. It's like an incubator program in Chicago and I get a call. So we were doing an event for the governor of New York, the New York state governor. And we had to do, t um, it was specific, like I love New York hats, you know, like that logo, the famous logo. And we were doing, I love New York hats that the governor was supposed to wear the hat in the morning on the news broadcast. That was kind of like the whole point of it. 
Um, he was supposed to be public. He was doing something that was public, and he wanted to wear this I Love New York hat. And everything was 100% perfect. Everything was fine. I get a call at 8 o'clock at night. I'm in Chicago. I'm not even in the area. And I get a call from my old office building in New York City saying that they delivered a box for us. And I had no idea what was happening because the, the event was upstate New York. It was about a nine-hour drive from New York City. <laughs> and I'm getting a call from my office in Manhattan saying that we have these boxes. I don't know what they are. So I asked them, hey, can you open up the box? I would love to know what got sent to you guys. And it was these hats that we were obviously waiting on. It had to be delivered nine hours away. Whoa. So it was very challenging. So obviously everyone was saying, like, what are you going to possibly do? It's nine o'clock at night. You're not even in the same state. How is that possible? So what I did is I posted on all my social media, on Twitter. I kept calling my friends. I said, is anyone up for driving nine hours tonight? This is at nine o'clock at night on the Sunday night. It's not like <laughs> find somebody. My cousin, who is, I don't know how we pulled this off, knew somebody who would be willing to drive nine hours each way to make this delivery. And we ended up having somebody pick up the package at 11 o'clock at night and drive it and deliver it by the morning time. Like I was driving throughout the whole night and was able to get the products to the customer on time. The customer had no clue any of this stuff happened. <laughs> it cost us a ton of money. It was completely not our fault. It was 100% a USBS fault. It was a pack. It was a shipping fault. But it doesn't matter whose fault it is. It's about making sure the customer has the best experience possible. So I was really proud of that. And I think just taking that m mentality across everything, every order, whether it's easy and it's simple or it's complicated or something that happens at complete out of your control, like um, a machine breaks or somebody ships it to the wrong location or somebody ships it to the wrong address. It's all your fault as a business owner. So you have to figure out the best way to resolve it. And we were lucky enough to make it resolved without having to do anything extra. Right. But sometimes mm -hmm. there's not just something that's things that completely out of your control. Right. But then you have to give the experience to the customer that they don't feel like they got screwed. You know, you want to make them feel always leaving you like they had an amazing experience, even if it wasn't the best experience. Wow, and I think it's the first time that the failure story is exactly the same as the success story, and I love it so much. <laughs> I love it so much. The second story that shows how good customer service wins the sale is that of David Miller, who said, Responding to customers right away has grown our business better than anything else. Devin is an entrepreneur, patent and trademark attorney, and an intellectual property expert. He specializes in protecting startup and entrepreneurial companies with IP legal advice, setting them up for success in their business. In addition to founding and running Miller IP Law, he is the co-founder of several startups, including a multi-million dollar startup for wearable glucose monitoring. Devin has worked with the likes of Amazon, Intel, Red Hat, and Ford. He is passionate about helping businesses and has a drive to educate and entertain listeners with years of experience as a calm speaker and a veteran podcaster. Devin Miller what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Well, thank you for having me on. Excited to be here. I am excited that you are here. Now I want to hear the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customer. 
When I tend to focusing on the law firm and I can do it on other companies, but that one's one that we have a lot of success is, you know, when we started out, so backing up, the law industry is horrible for general customer service or for treating customers well. <laughs> As an example, you know, the law industry, the average, at least in the U.S., is that it takes three to five days from a time a customer reaches out to you for any attorney to, to reach back out or to respond. That means oh. a customer tries to call, email, text, anything. It takes three to five days for them to hear back, which is horrible on the customer service. And it would, if I was on that end, it would, I would be saying, this is horrible. It's infuriating. It's not, you know, it's not a good circumstance. So when, when I set up the law firm, it was really with the idea, hey, what we are going to do is make sure we have a good customer service. So we set up as an example that we have 90% of the time we respond right away. 95% of the time we respond within 30 minutes. And we have wow. a strict drop dead rule that is 100% of the time you respond by the end of the day. So the customer at worst is not waiting more than a, a day by the end of the day to get their uh, response to their correspondence. And that one is really, that's probably as simple as it sounds, is one that has had more impact on you know our success and changing the customer experience, at least in the legal industry, is because now people are, you know, I can't even count the number of times we've had a client that we've reached out and said, hey, thank you for your quick response. It's refreshing. Or, hey, it's great to see, you know, great to get an answer. And, you know, you guys are so much more responsive. And that's probably been as simple as it is. Just being there responding back and not waiting for forever has been one of the biggest impacts and has grown our business and had a better customer impact than anything else. Wow. And it takes us back to the humanity part, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's the simplest things, and it's yet the ones that had the greatest impact. So, you know, it's not that hard to respond to a client and just get them the answers they need. And yet, if nobody's doing it and everybody's doing a horrible job, it presents an opportunity to do a much better job with customer facing. It's exactly that. And uh, as I said before, marketing is all about looking at things from the point of view of the customer because the money is in their pockets. It's exactly that. You realize what customers really care about. And just doing this simple thing changed things for you. Yep, exactly. Last but not least is the story of Warren Coglin, whose best advice to entrepreneurs is to serve. My definition of sales, he said, is professionally helping people solve problems. Warren Coglin helps principals entrepreneurs build a business that matters. That is one that delivers to you, the owner, attractive profits and a fulfilling lifestyle while also creating positive impact on customers, team, and the larger community. In other words, it is one that helps make the world, or just your corner of it, a better place. He has been helping entrepreneurs do this since 2002. He was the top coach in Canada with the world's largest business coaching company before going out to focus on businesses that matter. His clients have experienced everything from eight-figure exits to seven-figure salaries, from repeat expansion to minimized operational work because of the development of great leaders and high-performance values-driven cultures. Warren is also a recovering lawyer, a serial entrepreneur, colleague professor, actor, theater director, 
and dead to a wonderful daughter who constantly challenges him to be a better person. Warren Cogwin, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hi there. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy we are talking. And what exactly are you doing today? How do you work with entrepreneurs? And tell me a bit the story of your career. How did you get here? Oh, okay. Uh, so what I'm doing right now is, um, there's two parts to that question. So what I'm doing right now is I've built a tool that actually automates the front end of the strategic planning process that makes it you know much deeper analysis but also much easier on the entrepreneur so a lot of what i'm doing is helping clients work through that so that they're positioned to really focus on the things that matter most as we're going into this you know interesting area in terms of how i got to where i i am uh it's kind of weird to have a story started birth a business story but in my case it's actually kind of relevant i was i was supposed to die at birth i was given zero percent chance of survival i was the second person in history to live through this weird congenital defect and when i found that when i found out about that it kind of spurred in me a desire to do something so i've i've been on this weird circuitous path in my life right i was i was a lawyer i've been an actor and theater director i was a college professor i've been an entrepreneur and all those things were because I was trying to find that place where I could make an impact with this kind of unexpected gift I wasn't supposed to have. And mm. for me, entrepreneurship was the place. I really, I believe passionately that entrepreneurship is one of the most powerful forces for positive social change. Um, and so when I got into entrepreneurship, I kind of fell in love with it. And then when I sold uh, my last business, I was looking mm. around for the next thing to do. And a family friend was doing business coaching. And I, that was back in 2002. I'd never even heard of it before. And I started looking into it and just fell in love with it. And so that's what I've been doing ever since. And really trying to take the lessons I've learned over my own professional career and subsequent and trying to help entrepreneurs use those uh, in their own businesses and start to succeed. Mm. What would be your best advice to any entrepreneur out there mainly regarding the customer focus or something that has to do with their customer approach, because that's what this podcast is mainly focusing on. Right. Um, for me, I always think it's to serve, you know, to try to try to be of help. If you are, if you go into a sales call trying to land the deal for yourself, I always feel the prospect can sort of smell that a little bit. They may wind up buying mm-hmm. from you, but there's a, there's a sort of a level of discomfort. But if you go in there only with the objective of helping someone, that's actually my definition of sales is professionally helping people solve problems, which makes it then a really kind of honorable activity. And when you do that, then people are, it's interesting. I found people become way more open. They give you a lot more information and the relationship just becomes much more enjoyable. I I had a client once, she, I was teaching her sales. So, you know, this was after she became a client, we were doing a sales training session and I said, I was talking about this. And I said, remember our sales call? And she said, what sales call? I said, well, when we first met. She goes, that was a sales call? I said, yeah. <laughs> she, she goes, I thought you were just there to help me. And I said, I was. And at the end of it, you wanted me to keep helping you. And she goes, oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was the it's authenticity. Beautiful. It's, it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, that was just... It, yeah, so that's that's what I think. If you if you have a service focus to your customers, like always wanting to help them, you're going to have long client relationships and customer relationships. 
I do believe that, but I must admit that I don't think that anyone would think that my sales calls are only to help them. And I think <laughs> it's getting to a very high level of, of giving service, so good for you. Yeah, I, th- I think if you, it's, it's not so much that you're not applying sales techniques, but it's you're using them in the service of the person, right? Like people have a natural resistance to change, right? And so often the deployment of sales skills is, if it's done in the right way, is meant to help someone overcome a resistance that keeps them from what is in their own best interest. So if you believe your solution is in the client's best interest, truly, then sure, you should you know, use some sales techniques to try to help them solve their problem. Hmm. But if you're doing it just through the perspective of, I just want to land this deal to hit my conversion rates, then you're making it about you, not about them. You can't succeed in a business, I believe, if you're just concentrating on yourself. Yeah, I, I think you can make money doing that, but I don't think you'll ultimately be happy. I think people derive a lot more personal satisfaction from knowing that they're actually helping people. And you attract better better team members as well. If, if you have staff who think you're just in it for yourself, yeah, they'll do the job and they'll collect their paychecks. But if you convince your team that you're really in it to help people and people they care about, you're going to have a way more engaged culture for sure. Hmm. You know, there are many factors that affect one's success. However, I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really makes it for us, really helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? One key success factor. Wow. Um, so I would say it's probably a combination. It's primarily developing deep relationships with clients based on caring for them as people. I feel deeply that actually almost, well, not all, almost, in fact, all my clients are my friends. Hmm. I developed, you know, I've had one said I know her better than her spouse does. Another called me the moral center of her business. Another asked me to give some counsel to his son. You know, so the result of that is I wind up with really long client retention. I have one of the longer client retention rates in the industry. I have average wow. is about two and a half years. You know, some of them go on six years. So that, that, Developing deep relationship is one part of it, but it's got to be combined with really solid business discipline tools and frameworks, you know, and, and that combination, I think, that the person knows I care, but then I've also got the, the toolkit that's going to help them succeed is, is what makes it successful. You know, I found that there's a lot of business coaching that just focuses on the personal and emotional stuff, but I found that providing these kinds of like business tools actually helps build the trust that allows those deeper conversations to happen because they know that I've got some, I've got the chops to be able to help them as well as they can see that I care about them. And that, that really builds a lot of trust that creates long-term relationships and lots of referrals. Hmm. Are you serving your customers or are you mainly selling to them? If the second answer is more relevant to you, you have a magic key you haven't used yet. Stop selling and start serving your target audience. Find out what they need and then give it to them. You can't imagine how your business will grow. And until the next time, bye-bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. 
you either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.